1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, Jennifer, we're continuing in 1 Corinthians. We're in chapter 3 now. And just to kind of, you know, bring us up to speed. Yes. Paul opens up this letter with, you know, this affirmation and thanksgiving for the faith of the church in Corinth. And right. it's very loving, very pastoral, and you can just feel the warmth. And then, you know, he basically spends the rest of chapter one and chapter two in sort of his own Pauline, like roundabout way of making the centrality of Christ so clear yes. that it's all, you know, he he wants to know nothing among them except Christ and him crucified and he he's not interested in the wisdom of the world. He's not interested in, you know, the signs and wonders to scratch the itches of the people, but in the power of God working. And so that is kind of like the foundation that he lays. And yes. so we're starting to move into Paul is, you know, he's set up this foundation of love and Jesus first, but he's going to start like dealing with, you know, some of the rats in the basement. Yes. And um, we're moving into this, you know, in the ESV, this section is titled Divisions in the Church. (laughs) Divisions in the Church. Another very unrelatable topic to us. Unrelatable, but we'll try to press. Yeah, we will try to somehow culturally connect to this. Make it applicable to our lives. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We'll find a way. Right. And, you know, we've we've already heard of Apollos and Paul and kind of yeah. this uh, controversy in the church from chapter one. So what are your thoughts? What's the context? What's going on? Yeah. I think just again, reminded that like first Corinthians is a um, like, we kind of like parachuted into a uh, dumpster fire, honestly, <laughs> Great image. Um, where yeah. like there have been multiple letters going back and forth. I mean, I don't understand all of it, but I know they're referenced like later on that apparently, you know, Paul's already written a letter to these people. They've written him mm-hmm. back. Um, yep. You know, they're not getting, he's not getting the full story. Then he gets more of the story. So he's yeah. just kind of like dealing with one thing after another here. Yep. Um, but you're right. It's very much like Paul is demonstrating to us how to apply the gospel to our lives. Like yeah. this isn't as straightforward like gospel, like some other books, but it's here because he's showing us this is why it matters. Mm-hmm. And this is the evidence, like in this section, even it's like the evidence that you're not believing in the gospel or you're not applying the gospel to this is in this division and the way you're treating each other. Mm. So, um, he does this kind of thing where he makes these arguments, but I think it's also really interesting to see the people where they are and how this is so relevant to us because you can see like a people living in a city like this, that is very much like kind of upwardly mobile and, you know, like Corinth was a new city and it's a very pagan city and it's a center of trade. And so people are trying to like make 
themselves, right? And make mm-hmm. something of themselves, which again, feels very relevant to mm-hmm. living in Atlanta today. Um, but they also, you can see where they would be so susceptible to this like self-improvement um, kind of plans, mm-hmm. um, self-actualization. Like they want to be their best selves um, and they want to like continue to grow. And yet he they're looking to the wrong sources. And so Paul is going to... Um, help them see that by straight up telling them uh you think that you've grown mm-hmm. but because like by a worldly standard you'd be like how do you grow you find a person you find a plan you get a formula you start executing on it mm-hmm. so they've been doing this mm-hmm. um but he's like you're actually infants in christ like yeah. paul's known them for years now yeah. and he kind of like you know gives a little slap like you, you think you've done it but actually i'm here to tell you you haven't yeah. and you think you've been eating solid food and I've been giving you milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he's coming off of chapter two, which uh, if you didn't listen yesterday or need a refresher, uh, that section in the SV is titled wisdom from the spirit. And he's kind of digging into this idea of the wisdom of God. And, you know, he, he's rolling off of this idea of like the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. Right. And so he's digging into, this, you know, very immaculate, spectacular wisdom of God by which yes. all things were created. And then rolling into today, he's like, but I can't even talk to you this way. I can't even address you as spiritual people because right. you you can't get your mind out of the gutter. Like no. you are constantly causing division. And uh, frankly, you're refusing to grow up. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a really important thing to see here is if you read the epistles of the New Testament, uh-huh. one of the most harshly dealt with sins is having a divisive spirit yes. in the church. And, yes. um, you know, we, we talk a whole lot about sexual sin and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, alcohol sin and, you know, all right. these sorts of things, which right. are sin and are yes. to be, you know, dealt with and discipled. Like- but we we don't quite talk as much about how Paul... <laughs> you know, addresses, you know, these spiritual people who were probably had a lot of, you right. know, insight and could probably use a lot of big words and had impressive resumes says, I can't even address you as spiritual people because you're, you're living so of this world right? that you're like choosing sides when, you know, the pastor that you follow or listen to is nothing. Right. And, and, and it's so crazy that this is, I think a lot of people think that this is actually what a Christian is, mm-hmm. is divisive. And like to your point yeah, about not yeah, talking yeah. about it, about sin, like we, not only do we not treat it like sin, we act like this is a characteristic that we ought to see in each other. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> and yeah, no, he's like, in other places, obviously Paul says, no, the fruit of the spirit is this. It's yeah. love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long suffering, it, all these things. Not the fruit of the flesh is this kind of divisiveness, this tribalism, this following people, like looking to, I mean, essentially what they're doing is they're looking, I mean, this is what you do in the world, right? You look for yeah. who to associate yourself with, who to um, follow their, you know, plan, yeah. you know, their yeah. formula, whatever. And that's why he did this whole thing about like, don't look to worldly wisdom. Like that's actually what you're doing. You're, you're taking that sensibility and you're applying it to your spiritual life. And this is not how God operates. Yeah. Well, and you know, just to, point the blade at myself like i think that this is really prominent with young men especially Mm -hmm. like this 
uh, being really given to like a proud and divisive spirit. And I know for years of my life, like not only was it not something that I tried to keep in check, but there was there was this mentality of, you know, always having a bullet in the chamber, mm-hmm. always having a bone to pick, mm-hmm. always having a strong opinion was a sign of wisdom and maturity. Maturity, yeah. Me. And, you know, by God's grace, like beginning to read and see passages like this, that is not a fruit of the spirit. That is that is a fruit of worldliness. Right. And, you know, obviously there's ways to, um, you know, Paul is being confrontive here. So there's a place for, you know, confrontation and whatever. Right. But that div- divisiveness of the spirit or in the spirit is cancerous and um, yes. it's really detrimental for a church community and a community of believers. And, um, you know, I, I also kind of want to get into this language of he who plants and he who yes, waters. for sure. Because I think that we can pretty easily apply this. Um, you know, a lot of us became followers of Jesus in one church or one context or one season of our life. Yeah. And now we're in a different season of our life. So, you know, maybe you became a church a Christian or really started following Jesus at a church down the road. Right. And then um, whatever happened and now you're a member of Christ's covenant or, um, or vice versa, you know, people really start following Jesus here and then, you know, in the Lord's plan, end up at another church. Uh-huh. And you can see this like uh, inclination that we have to, you know, sort of like throw like a match and gasoline behind us as like we leave a place <laughs> right? and not recognize like God's faithfulness to us through where the gospel was planted. Yeah. And, and um, you know, here Paul is saying, he who plants, he who waters, we're nothing. We're we're one. We're doing the same exactly. work of God, and it's only recognition and glory to God for the work that He does. Right. I think. Um, I, I know, and it's amazing how you think like you're doing the things, and you think you're doing them for God, and then you read a passage like this, and you're like, "Whoa, this is so great!" How Paul has these very real questions, um, and just gets right to the heart of it. And I think again. When you think about the gospel, I mean, I love how we talk about the gospel here. God, man, Jesus response. We always start with God. Mm-hmm. And that's like such a simple thing and like obvious. But I think a lot of times we like skip over that part and we mm-hmm. go. But it's like, no, God initiated. And even with all of this like gardening language, I just love when you think about, you know, God obviously planted the original garden. He created this beautiful world that was meant to thrive and flourish and Mm -hmm. human beings like created in his image and they were meant to like keep this thing going and like press it outside the bounds of that garden Mm -hmm. into the whole world Mm -hmm. like representing who he is and yet of course we went terribly wrong but (laughs) the gardener did not abandon his garden he set in motion a plan to redeem it and then he himself you know he sent his son to come in the flesh to tend you know this Mm -hmm. place and do what needed to be done to live the perfect life to die the death that we deserved and i love even when he resurrected he rose again the third day like mary saw him and thought he was the gardener i mean there's Mm -hmm. like all these like motifs all the way through but again telling us something very important like he is doing it and we are yielding to it. It's all by grace through mm-hmm. faith. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop after you come to saving faith. No. It keeps going in your growth. And so like when you remind yourself like where you fit in this whole thing, 
then you go to like spiritual growth and you realize, oh yeah, like God is going to do this Mm -hmm. in me. And so I need to recognize that like, yeah, these people, God, yeah, praise God, they all, you know, obeyed. And so I did hear the gospel because someone planted the seed and someone watered and I've greatly benefited from that. And then he's called me into this kind of co-creator role to like go out and plant the seed and water and love people. And, but there, there's such a humility that starts in that. And yet like this, it's very motivating. Yeah. I mean, it's so much more motivating than like, you have to make sure you pick the right person to follow Mm -hmm. the right way, the right style, the right, right, like it's all, exactly. It's all on you. And also it's on you to get to a place of maturity. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, it's on me to respond and to obey. Yeah. That is way easier than it's on you to figure it out and then yeah, to, to make defend it your stance and to, you know, make all these other people like believe like what? No, yeah. God yeah. is doing it. It's yeah. like it's good news. It's the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh such a, a great word in first Corinthians three and We're going to continue in chapter three tomorrow. So we'll see you then. For Jennifer McClish, this is Will Carlisle. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.